Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible that a woman used her kids to try to get her husband to love her more. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 29, verses 31 to 35. I'm hanging out today with Pastor Harold. We're looking at a story here that is, uh, I think uh, we, we, were, we were saying behind the scenes, is, is a very, very sad story because it just highlights the dysfunction of a family. And I don't know, that's sometimes relatable more than we want it to be, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, um, it's sort of, you know, if you follow the narrative, um, if you've been following the narrative uh, with us, and uh, you, you've you been following this family, which you should have because it's just an awesome way to read Genesis. Uh, shout out to the move. Uh, <laughs> you shout out will to us notice. For being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't, yeah, never mind. Uh, you kind of, you know, there's this, there's this Edenic ideal that God instituted, like an Eden, right? That's why it's an Edenic ideal. Mm-hmm. And then you see how quickly it just devolves or morphs into, nope, that's not what I, it's almost like God said, hey, here's this really awesome gift. Nope, that's not how you're supposed to use it. Nope, oh, no, no, stop. Oh, God, no, stop. You know, um, and you sort of see that. You see that with Abraham and Sarah. Um, then you see it in the life of Esau and Jacob, and then you finally are going to see it now here in the life of, of Jacob just magnify itself. So uh, it, I think it's it's one of the best explanations of how the Bible is descriptive and not prescriptive, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times people have the idea of like, well, the Bible said this, you know, and I think that it's in sometimes it might be an overreaction to purity culture and to this very... Um, closed mindset Christianity that with perhaps good intention of not doing what is wrong 
forgets that there's still the flawed humanity aspect to scripture. Mm. And so the overcorrection is like, well, see, the Bible has this. The Bible has, you know, all these bad scenes and and all these weird sexual things happening. Yeah, because it's describing what you should not do. It's not prescribing what you should do. This right. is a great example of that. And and here you see it. It's going to be sort of like the culmination of the narrative where this is what happens when marriage turns into polygamy. Hmm. Ugh, it is, no, it is just family disaster dynamics. It's so bad. It's sad. So that's, yeah, that's really what the first thing you get from this text. It's interesting that you say that. I remember coming across a video, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was kind of a critique on the concept of the quote-unquote biblical model of marriage, right? And they say, oh, the Mm. biblical model of marriage. Well, which one? Are you talking about the one where the guy marries his slave or about the one where there's polygamy and the one where this one and this one and this one? And they're using various stories that that are recorded in the narrative as evidence that the quote-unquote biblical model of marriage is a very fluid and a very multifaceted, yeah. there's a lot of room for interpretation. And, and, and from what I gather, the video was trying to argue against um, the, 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 the value of a man and a woman in a lifelong monogamous mm. relationship, right? And um, yeah. stories like this were the ones that were being cited. But I think being really able to, to to distance myself from just the rhetoric of a video that's compiling information in just such rapid succession. And then when you actually get to look at each one of those stories, you get to see how these uh, other models that sure are biblical under a very broad and loose sense of the word biblical, right? Um, in the same way that in earlier episode, apparently <laughs> drunken nudity is, is biblical. Right. Uh, under that yes. sense of it, it's biblical. It's like, well, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it is biblical, but it also shows the the failures of these models in many ways. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And I think it also shows like going going to the reason why like, you know, um the whole reason of having kids uh I've you know, you always hear that in you've always heard this advice. I don't know if you've always, but I remember growing up hearing the advice uh, not in not in my f- family thankfully um mm-hmm. and this is not chiding anybody who's gone through it but i've always heard the advice that you should not divorce because of your kids right mm. that you should just stick it out because you've got kids and it's going to affect the family dynamics um but i also heard that you should not have kids for the wrong reasons and definitely <laughs> this is the case for having kids for the wrong reasons mm. and it's really sad because leah is clearly um, if you've been following the narrative so far, Leah is was not even in the radar of right. Jacob, right? Ironically, as we were like you and I were talking about this behind the scenes, it's like, ironically this is where his mom sent him to get married. Don't marry any of these Canaanite girls. Go back home and marry crazy. my relatives because they're crazy. And <laughs> lo and behold, <laughs> so here he is married to his sister-in-law wife who was never in the picture but you know you gotta marry her off one way or another so hey here they go both of them two for one uncle laban thank you and she clearly is the third wheel wife like she like Hmm. i do not like you right and this poor woman finds herself 
wanting her husband's attention and attachment at all costs. And so, oddly enough, also the text says that the Lord sees this. It's almost as if, like, there's some sort of, like, maybe Jacob's uh, posture towards his wife and positioning of his wife as much as he got her without his consent or desiring her, whatever, was not in accordance to God's, uh, in God's eyesight, right? And so this woman gets children. And maybe the children are given for a different reason, but she says, okay, surely my husband's going to love me now because I've given him one child. And then mm. surely he's going to love me. Again. Four times this poor woman wants her husband to just love her. And the only reason, it just love me, right? Here are these four boys that I've given you, right? This ideal, uh, you know, you, you get some, even to our culture today, it's like, if you have a girl, it's like, oh, you had a girl, but if you have a boy, ooh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so cool, right? Um, and this woman is obviously distraught that she is not loved by her husband four times, and she just hmm. wants to be loved, so she gets him kids. And it'll translate further in the narrative of the other wife saying, well, just, man, I, it's really sad to see the culmination of everything that happens in Hawaii. You should not have kids for the wrong reasons because then it's going to translate into their own sibling relationships further on in the narrative on how they get along with each other. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster, man, you know. Don't have kids for the wrong reasons, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, reading through the text, one of the things that stood out to me is actually at the very beginning of our passage where it talks about how God enables her to have children as a response to mm -hmm. kind of her 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 being mm -hmm. overlooked. And it got me thinking like, okay, is I mean, is that the way that it typically works? Is, is God the one who mm -hmm. opens and closes wombs, so to speak? Or is this maybe perhaps one of these moments where something supernatural is taking place? Because, yeah, I mean, on one hand, we want to encourage someone like Leah, right, not to have kids for the wrong reasons. But one of the reasons why she has kids for the quote-unquote wrong reason is because God enabled her to have children. So what, what does mm. it say about a God who, yes, mm. who's able to, to work in conjunction with the terrible, you know, choices of humanity as we've seen throughout this entire narrative. And yet mm. we're seeing th this, this influx of children seeming to cause more problems, but it was God who initially opened up the womb mm. for it to begin anyways. That's a great question. Um, as I think about it, maybe the reason why God gives her the child is not so that her husband can be attached to her, but that she could find comfort in her child. Hmm. Um, you know, I it's an, it's a thought that comes to my mind um, because a lot of times th there's a bond between between mother and child that that is just unique. Um, hmm. You know, and those of us who have had the privilege and the blessing of having children see it in our in our wives, right? Like I see it in my wife. the The bond that she has with with our girls is different than the bond that I have. And I've I've mm. heard we don't we don't know that if it's a mother and a boy, it's just it's different. I I, I don't know that. Mm. You know, mm. I know that from my mom. Um, so maybe just maybe, maybe God is opening up her womb, sort of to. I'm thinking of Hagar, you know, Hagar's case, how God shows up to her and it is in, in her child, there is a promise that is given to her, right? That is supposed mm -hmm. to sustain her, that is supposed to uh, 
give her the the support that she will not find in Abraham, right? Hmm. So I wonder if this is the case where God is intervening once in, in this mess, and he's saying, this is the support that you'll have with your children, because hmm. from your husband, you're not going to get this. Interesting. Um, yeah, maybe, I, maybe it's, it's a thought. Maybe one of the ways uh, this is taking place is Leah has heard of the promise that this family is carrying, the promise of, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the coming promised child, for example. And maybe because of mm-hmm. her lack of attention that she's receiving from Jacob, maybe there's a sense in which she's feeling cut out of that that beautiful redemption arc. And maybe this is one of the ways that God's saying, no, 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 you're not excluded, even though that, you know, you may not be valued or treasured in this in this kind of family dynamic. I still see you, and you are actually a participant of the coming of this promised child. Oddly enough, that's what verse 35 leads to. Hmm. Judah. Right? Talk to me, talk to me about Ooh. Judah, because is uh, this is the first time that we <laughs> see Judah's name, and uh, this is one of many, many children's names that have been shared over the last little while. But But what's happening with Judah? Well, Judah is mentioned, if you go all the way to Matthew chapter 1, um, you're going to find Judah mentioned within the genealogy of Jesus. Um, Right? It it goes all the way, uh, let's see, Judah and his brothers, Judah. So Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So he's the only one that is mentioned out of the 13 children that that, uh, Jacob had. Uh, Judah is the one that is mentioned through Leah, right? Um, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezra. So it goes all the way, but Judah is the one who's highlighted in the genealogy of Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, of course, the story of Judah and Tamar is a story that uh, we love to tell a children's story time in church. It's a phenomenal story that I won't talk about, but that somebody will <laughs> tell later. Spoiler alert, it is one of those. Uh, okay. But oddly enough, <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, <laughs> it is... Um, it is one of those, yeah. Oddly enough, he's the fourth child of Leah. His name is Judah. The Lord has, uh, the Lord has heard. Surely, I will praise the Lord because He has heard my affliction. Um, and it, it, it could be, um, as I think about it, it could be that God was not necessarily enabling a unhealthy desire of attachment for my husband towards me, who does not love me. Hmm. But enabling this, listen, in this mess that you are once again in absolute, you never wanted this mess, Leah, my darling, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is not what you wanted. You got put into this position. And here's here's something that within this mess might compensate. And and Mm -hmm. I I know it's weird to even say that because, you know, who are we to understand, especially when we, when we look at it through the, through the lens of the 21st century, right? And all the things that that we know we should not do, like marry two sisters. Um, <laughs> but this is God once again operating in the in the in the mess that humanity makes. It's just the the patience and faithfulness of God to come down into our situations and to make the best of it, even through the circumstances being so bad. And so here he is, you know. Um, hey. This is this is uh this is your son Judah, right? And he is uh he will be, you know, he is the this symbol of how the Lord the Lord has heard me, right? Uh now I will praise the Lord. And he called him he called him Judah. And she stopped bearing, because after that, no more children. 
That's interesting that you mentioned that. The promise. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is that God is saying, okay, let's go through the promise. Because Jacob and Rachel, whom he loves, that's not where the progeny of Jesus, that's not where the promise of progeny comes through. It comes through Leah. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. 